Hello, Vitality Explorers. This is another edition of the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. My name is Dr. Alan Mishra, and each week we go over the world's scientific literature in search of specific actionable things we can do to enhance our vitality. So this week we're going to cover trending science articles, the vital benefits of ginger, turmeric, and garlic, and we're going to talk about whether biking or cycling is the fountain of youth for your muscles. But like we always do on the Vitality Explorer News podcast, we're going to start with a quote, and this one is from Confucius. And here it is, quote, where you go, go with all your heart. Where you go, go with all your heart. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. We also try to take the friction out of staying vital. So what you hear each week on this podcast is basically my homework. So I've been trying to review specific science-related topics that can help us all live a more energetic and vital life. And speaking of energetic, in April, coming up here very quickly, actually, as I record this podcast, it is the beginning of April. So in a couple weeks, we're going to start the Energize Your Life course through Stanford Continuing Studies. There's a couple spots available. There will be a link to it in the show notes, or you can just look on Stanford or Google Stanford Continuing Studies and um, Google my name, Alan Mishra. All right, now let's jump right in to what I call trending science articles. Now, this is a new thing for Vitality Explorer News, but if you go to PubMed, There's certain articles that are viewed more often or more um, discussed more on PubMed. And PubMed is a repository of the world's most interesting, I think, scientific literature. You actually have to go through a process to get a journal uh, listed or or indexed on PubMed. So I think it creates a little bit of a barrier to, to bad science. So you have to have a track record of publishing over the course of a year or two and having a certain number of articles and having a certain number of quality. So I had this idea of saying, okay, if the articles are trending on PubMed, that means a lot of people are looking at them. A lot of people find them interesting. So beginning this week, uh, I posted the first one on Vitality Explorer News, which you can find on Substack. You can also sign up at VitalityExplorers.com to receive a text message every Monday morning to remind you of specific uh, things that are out there that we're talking about. But this one, this week, the top two that I looked at were about coffee in your heart and white blood cells and cancer, okay? So um, what this amounts to is, you know, again, that idea of looking at the biomedical literature that's on uh, PubMed, which is part of the United States National Library of Medicine and the National Institutes of Health. Um, And and this, this particular article was called, quote, Acute Effects of Coffee Consumption on Health Among Ambulatory Adults. Ambulatory means walking. It's kind of interesting. Um, this was published in the New England Journal of Medicine by Marcus et al. in 2023. And here's sort of a lay summary of that. I'm just going to read this to you so you can kind of listen to this for a second. The study aimed to examine the effects of caffeinated coffee on heart arrhythmias, daily steps, sleep, and serum glucose. So what it looked at is, you know, not decaf, but caffeinated coffee 
Heart arrhythmias are disturbances in the normal rhythm of your heart, daily steps. We know what that is, sleep, and serum glucose is just, you know, what your glucose levels are in your blood. They looked at about 100 adults, excuse me, they looked at exactly 100 adults, and they were randomly assigned to consume either caffeinated coffee or avoid caffeine. And the participants were fitted with recording EKG monitors, a wrist accelerometer, and a glucose monitor. And the results showed that the consumption of caffeinated coffee did not this is important, did not result in significantly more premature atrial contractions than of people who avoided caffeine. It was, however, associated with more premature ventricular. So your heart has four chambers, two on the right side, two on the left side. So there were a little bit more what they call pre- premature atrial contractions. Excuse me, there were, there were not more premature atrial ones, but there were more premature ventricular ones. But coffee was also associated, caffeinated coffee consumption was also associated with highly higher daily steps and slightly shorter sleep. So the overall conclusion of the study was that the consumption of caffeinated coffee did not have a significant harmful effect on the heart. Now, again, if you're in, in any concern about your heart, check with your doctor. But this study, I think, the analysis, the Vitality Explorer analysis of this specific study suggests uh, that coffee may not be uh, significantly harmful to your heart. Now, the caveat is it was only 100 people. Uh, the interesting part is having some caffeine was associated with more movement, which is actually good for your heart, and slightly less sleep, which is bad for your heart. All right, so I think it's just a point in time, but it's a very interesting study. It was one that was trending on PubMed. And again, we're going to be covering these trending uh, PubMed articles each week. Uh, and this leads us to a second one. And sometimes things are a little complicated in terms of the science, but part of my job is to distill that complicated science into something that hopefully most of us or all of us can understand. And the second paper we're going to talk about uh, deals with a white blood cell called a macrophage and how, how it is crucial to cancer. So before reviewing the paper, I'm going to give you a little description of a macrophage. And it's a type of white blood cell that helps us fight off infections and foreign invaders. It's part of our immune system and it acts like a scavenger. So it goes around the body and it looks to kind of, you know, hoover up. It's like, think of it as a, you know, one of those wet, dry shop vac kind of things. It, it, it engulfs harmful substances or things like bacteria, virus, and dead cells. It's a, it's like a, a street cleaner. Maybe that's better, a better analogy. One of those trucks that kind of clears up, cleans up the street and it sucks up all this stuff. Um, and then it also presents it to other immune cells in your body and says, okay, these are, this is an invader. So in, in addition to its role in fighting infections, macrophages play a crucial role in tissue repair and regulating our response to inflammation. And again, what's interesting is there are a lot of different types of macrophages, and I refer you to the Vitality Explorer new Substack site to look at the graphics, look at the review, look at the abstracts of these particular articles and the other references. Um, but the interesting study that I want to talk about here is uh, macro, this is the title of it: Macrophages at the interface of co of the co-evolving cancer ecosystem. Macrophages at the interface of the co-evolving cancer ecosystem, and this was published by Kosterman in Cell. Again, and here's sort of a, a lay summary of of the paper. And this paper uh, explained the important role of macrophages. Remember, they're a type of white blood cell in the immune system that help maintain the balance and repair of damaged tissue. When cancer develops, macrophages can be influenced to support tumor growth and survival. So they can be sort of turned into a bad 
bad cell. And the article discusses the different ways that macrophages can be shaped and directed in the tumor environment, which can in fact affect cancer growth and treatment outcomes. And the authors looked at and proposed new research and treatment strategies that aimed to change the macro macrophage behavior to better fight cancer. So this is an idea of using a specific um, white cell uh, called the macrophage and try to help it become one that kind of acts as that street cleaner to clear or clean up cancer. Again, it can be it can morph into something that helps cancer, um, but here's sort of the overall analysis. I think it's important. It's, it's clearly important to cancer researchers because it's trending on PubMed. Macrophages come in a variety of forms. The article suggests that we can harness the power, that we may be able to harness the power of our own cells and one specific one, the macrophage, to better fight cancer. I think this is very fascinating. I know I'm a little bit of a geek about this, but think about it. <clears throat> You've got a type of white blood, white blood cell in your body right now that if we can direct it better, if we can influence its behavior, it could help treat cancer. Okay. That's awesome. That's really fascinating to me. <laughs> Maybe it's not to everybody. So again, you can look on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site uh, to, to better understand what we're talking about. Um, and and uh, the abstracts and the references are up there along with a few cool graphics. Let's move on to three substances that we all should be thinking about consuming more of. And that is ginger, turmeric, and garlic. And what are the vital benefits of these three, tumor, turmeric, ginger, and garlic. All right. Now, there's a recently published article that is going to help us as we try to understand that, and that is called, or entitled, The Functional Bioactive Compounds in Ginger, Turmeric, and Garlic. Now, um, these are commonly, you know, used herbs. We may have heard of all of them. Turmeric is one of the uh, major components of curry powder, gingers, and a lot of things, and garlic uh, <laughs> may help us fight things in addition to vampires. We're going to talk about why here. So these these herbs these herbs contain very interesting bioactive compounds. So it's not just that they can make they make our food a little tastier or in more interesting, but they actually have significant um, ch things that can you know be antioxidants, anti-inflammatory, fight off bacteria, and improve our overall health. And, and, and within these plants, and they're all plants, obviously, um, are something called phytochemicals. And they are, uh, you know, they have a lot of big fancy names to them, a lot of things that are maybe hard to pronounce. But each one of these, ginger, turmeric, and garlic, all have something called polyphenols in them. And we've talked about polyphenols in the past. They serve as, um, you know, vital function in the protection of um, you know, organisms or, or, you know, us against external stimuli that, you know, produce something called a reactive ox, um, oxygen species, which is associated with a variety of different things. So they're not just in, in, in turmeric, ginger, um, and garlic, but they're also in other, in other foods that we eat. And, you know, this looks like tea and chocolate and, and fruits and other vegetables. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand, again, each one of these things. I, I, I really believe the audience that's listening to this, and again, we're trying to enhance global vitality one person at a time with Vitality Explorer News. And part of that is becoming a little smarter about why certain things are valuable. So let's just start with ginger. Um, and ginger is a root that's been around for a long time, centuries, and it's been used in a variety of different um, 
you know, for a variety of different things, including to, to reduce nausea, vomiting, reduce pain, inflammation, and improve digestion. But there's a bioactive compound within it called gingerol. <laughs> That's kind of a cool name, gingerol, that is potent antioxidant and anti-inflammatory. There's studies out there that suggest that turmeric can help um, reduce blood sugar levels, lower cholesterol, and help people with diabetes and heart disease. Uh, and, and what we put up on the Explorer Substack is the, you know, obviously a picture of ginger, but also some of the chemical formulas and, and some of the other things that, that ginger has been shown to help in the literature is prevent nausea associated with pregnancy or menstrual pain, um, it reduces cancer risk, improves joint pain, and can also boost uh, circulation. And again, this is part of that review paper we're going to talk about. The second one we're going to talk about, the second herb, is, is turmeric. And that's a spice that's been widely used in Indian cuisine and traditional medicine for centuries. It, taints, it contains a compound called curcumin. curcumin, And it's a, that, that is the, where the anti-inflammatory and antioxidant um, you know, behavior comes from this particular compound. And it's, it's shown to, to help a variety of chronic diseases such as heart disease and cancer and, al- and maybe even Alzheimer's and can maybe improve our, our, reduce our symptoms of depression. And it definitely has been shown to alleviate joint pain and stiffness. Um, I've been using turmeric with my patients uh, who have knee and shoulder pain for years. And there's published peer-reviewed data to su- suggest that turmeric is as effective as things like Motrin, Advil, or Relief with less side effects. Okay, so we'll talk about more about that in a later post. Um, but again, it's related to these anti-inflammatory properties of curcumin, which is part of turmeric, uh, and, it, and also can potentially reduce blood cholesterol. So you're talking about these first two, garlic and turmeric, similar things in terms of helping people with inflammation. The third and final one we're going to talk about today with regard to this review paper is garlic. And I'll be, I love garlic. I, I just make sure that I uh, can brush my teeth or have a piece of gum or a mint afterwards. But I, I really do enjoy garlic in a variety of things. And, and where I live, they have something called the Gilroy Garlic Festival. They actually make garlic ice cream, which is kind of disgusting. Um, but if you're into garlic, come out sometime and, and go to the Gilroy Garlic Festival. Well, this particular compound or this particular herb contains a compound, compound called allicin. And it's a sulfur compound that gives garlic its distinctive flavor and smell. But this particular garlic has been shown via this compound to have potent antibacterial uh, properties such as fighting off infections from viruses, bacteria, and fungi. It's also been shown to lower blood pressure, reduce cholesterol, and improve overall cardiovascular health. And the specific benefits of garlic were outlined in that paper. And again, it's very fascinating that turmeric, garlic, and ginger have all can all potentially help your cardiovascular system. Um, sort of the analysis of this is I think that we should try to incorpor- incorporate more of these into our, our diet. And so one of the things I've done is just take a little clove of, or a little root of garlic and I'll uh, take a little piece of that and put it in some you know, green tea. I also take turmeric consistently. And again, anytime you want to put garlic on almost anything, I'll, I'll enjoy it. I don't know exactly what the details are of how much but I would check with your doctor, uh, check check your diet situation, and see if you can add a, a little bit of these three. And I think understanding why, remember, these three all contain polyphenols. Um, that's P-O-L-Y-P-H-E-N 
OLS, polyphenols. And these are the compounds that have been found to reduce inflammation, improve digestion, boost immune function, and promote heart health. Okay? So um, incorporating these into your diet is not a substitute for <laughs> for taking your cholesterol medication if you are have high cholesterol by the way so or high blood pressure always check with your doctor about that check with your provider um, when you're doing anything to change your diet or, or your lifestyle but i think we're going to take a deeper dive into the, this way of trying to use non-pharmacologic um, foods and other things that can help enhance our health all right. Um, before we go into the final one, consider uh, uh, joining Vitality Explorer News on Substack and consider becoming a, a paid subscriber to gain access to over 250 science articles about how to enhance your physical, mental, social, and or spiritual well-being. Now, we're going to finish this week's Vitality Explorer News talking about biking or cycling and is it is it the fountain of youth for muscles? All right. This is very, very important. And we've talked about why muscle matters many times on Vitality Explorer News. It helps maintain our vitality by helping to stay active, but it also helps us to release bioactive proteins that are within our muscles that are clearly connected to a variety of parts of our health beyond our muscles, such as our heart and our brain, okay? And I refer you to a Why Muscle Matters post on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site to learn more about something called myokines. So those are the little proteins that come out of your muscle when you exercise. This this week, we're going to review a post that helps describe why muscle mass in midlife may be valuable. And, um, and this is the title of the article is Midlife Cyclists Preserve Muscle Mass and Composition, a 3D MRI Study. All right. And uh, this is by Bell Zuntz in uh, 2023 in the British uh, Medical Journal of Musculoskeletal Disorders. And it starts by talking about something called sarcopenia. And sarcopenia is progressive loss of muscle mass and function. Okay, sarcopenia is associated with infiltration of fat into your muscle and can cause significant weakness. So think about this. Over time, over time, some of our muscle is actually replaced by fat. Um, and there's some pictures up on the Vitality Explorer news substacks that we're going to talk about here, some MRI scans. But if you do not exercise, your muscle turns into fat over time. That's actually, from my perspective, disgusting. So how can we combat that? And I think this article talks about how we can combat it by cycling. And riding a bike is one of the ways to slow the loss of muscle mass we experience with aging. It's great for your legs and it's great for the rest of your body. So according to the paper, quote, cycling has been associated with improvements in cardiovascular fitness, reduction of all-cause mortality, cancer risk, overweight, and obese among middle-aged individuals. And it's also been shown to improve mental well-being. Okay? So I do think cycling, this may be a little bit of my bias here, but I do think cycling or biking outside or on an exercise bike or in any way you can may be the fountain of youth, at least partially. It could be the fountain of youth through your muscle. So this paper looked at two groups of men. They were between 30 and 65. One group the cycling group cycled 7,000 kilometers in the previous year. If I did my math correct, that's about 4,350 miles. That's a lot of cycling. It turns out to be about 12 miles per day. But if you're if you are a lifelong or at least in the past year cycled that amount, that amount you fell into one group. The, the second group were inactive adult men, and that was defined as less doing less than one hour 
of physical exercise per week. So then these two groups had their gluteal muscles, your butt muscles, gluteal muscles evaluated uh, with detailed MRI scanning. And they looked at something called the gluteus maximus, which is your big muscle in your butt, and the gluteus medius, which is underneath your gluteus maximus. Uh, The cyclist then, again, all of them were put in a high-resolution specific MRI protocol to look at the uh, content of their muscle, the volume of their muscle, and also the total amount of fat in their in their gluteal muscles. And it was pretty, you know, you sort of know the answer. The cyclists had more muscle, muscle volume compared to the f- physically inactive volunteers. But when you see the pictures, it's very staggering to actually look at these pictures online. So again, check out the Vitality News Substack sites. You can see them. The intramuscular fat content also known as the IMF of the muscles, was also measured. And again, the cyclists had lower fractions in their gluteus medius and gluteus maximus muscles compared to the inactive control group. So here's the conclusions of the paper. Quote, we observed that well-trained midlife recreational cyclists had lower levels of fat infiltration and greater muscle mass for two main, the two main gluteal muscles when compared to physically inactive individuals of the same age. This suggests, in addition to other previous reported benefits, cycling can help preserve muscle health in middle-aged men. Okay, so uh, physical activity and a healthy lifestyle are crucial to helping delay the effects of sarcopenia. And sarcopenia just means low muscle mass, but it's also low muscle function. And, and very interestingly, larger muscle mass in earlier life can help preserve the function at a later stage. So I, this is an incredible way, and this is sort of our analysis here, the Vitality Explorer News analysis, is that uh, this, this paper provides powerful objective evidence favoring long-term cycling as a way to preserve muscle mass and reduce fatty deposits. And it's, I think, something we can all strive for. I think of getting on a bike, getting on an exercise bike, is putting money into what I call my, my you know, vitality bank account or my health IRA. So we're all, we're all taught to put money away for retirement, but are we taught to put health away for our retirement? So I'm, 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 I'm like you know, a dog on a bone here about this one. I really think this is something that each of us should consider doing because in addition to, to, to having enough money maybe for retirement, we want to have sort of a buffer of health. All right, so we've been trying to... Um, something new with this particular post and trying to, instead of just beat people up with statistics and scientific data, um, I wrote a little story with the help of chat GTP4, which we'll talk more about later, about this particular uh, article. And I want to read it to you. And it's called Once Upon a Time in the Land of Middle-Aged Men. Once Upon a Time in the Land of Middle-Aged Men. So two groups of buddies decided to test out the magical effects of cycling on their aging muscles. The first group, known as the physically inactive PI guys, uh, spent their days lounging around, eating Doritos, and drinking beer. The second group, the mighty recreational cyclists, the RCs, were more adventurous, cycling whenever and uh, whenever they could. And the two groups embarked on a quest to see which group had healthier muscles using the mystical powers of the MRI, or magnetic resonance imaging machine. They journeyed to the kingdom of science where they underwent these scans. And the wizards of science then examined their gluteus medius and gluteus maximus muscles to measure fat and muscle size. And lo and behold, the cycling group had lower fat infiltration in their muscles than compared to the couch-loving, Dorito-eating, inactive group. 
In addition, the cyclists had larger muscle masses compared to their counterparts, and it turns out that the muscle mass and fat infiltration are strongly related to the subcutaneous adipose tissue, also known as SAT. <laughs> the pes- that's the pesky fat beneath our skin. So the tale revealed cycling can help preserve muscle mass in middle-aged men. While more research is needed to confirm these magical benefits, this study adds to the growing evidence supporting public health efforts to promote cycling as a potion for aging muscles. So saddle up and pedal your way to healthier muscles one rotation at a time. All right, so let me let me just admit something. I, I wrote part of that, and then I used this particular study, and I, I asked ChatGTP4, which is a, a new AI uh, chatbot, to help me write a funny story about it. So I would love to have people po- post their comments about this. Um, I think we need to know the data, but we also resonate sometimes more with stories. I'm not a particularly great story writer. I did edit and put this together sort of uh, with the help of that <laughs> chat GTP4. I hope that added to your understanding of this particular study and helped, helped you realize that cycling is really, really good for you in the short, medium, and especially long term. So again, this week we've learned a, about a variety of things on Vitality Explorer News. We talked about coffee in your heart. We talked about white blood cells and cancer. We reviewed the vital benefits of ginger, turmeric, and garlic. And then we finished with why why biking or cycling may be the fountain of youth for our muscles. So consider becoming a a subscriber to Vitality Explorer News Substack site. You can also sign up at vitalityexplorers.com to receive a once a week text message about this. Uh, and remember, my Energize Your Life course through Stanford Continuing Studies is still open for uh, for a few more uh, students, which begins in a couple weeks. And until next time, get out there, get after it, and dare to be vital. Thank you for listening. <laughs>